this is the Bama Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today we move into the fourth voice of Isaiah, seen in chapters 55 through 66. We will hear the compelling promise of restoration for God's people and the invitation for them to become the people they were meant to be. Yeah, we have, seems like a good time for a review. Prophetic review. A review of our prophetic section, at, at the very least. Okay. It's been a while. Um, so we've moved out of the exilic period of our table, and we are pushing into the very last section, which we call the what, Brent? The remnant. The remnant. Um, Trick and, question, because we haven't talked about it yet, really. Right, I know. Yep. Uh, so so we started with the pre-Assyrian prophets. We had a couple to Israel. We had uh, Amos and Hosea. We had a couple to Judah, Micah, and first Isaiah. Um, let's see. Let's go through and uh, let's see. Amos. What was the uh, image with Amos? Plum line and ripe fruit. All right. And then uh, Hosea was the prostitute. And then uh, Micah was the judge. And that leaves first Isaiah uh, with a vineyard. That's right. And then it led us into the Assyrian prophets. We had four more. We had two to Israel and two to the southern kingdom of Judah. And the two to Israel were they had to be held together. Jonah and Nahum, because Jonah was about what Brent. Potential and Nahum was about Dean. Dean, the Hebrew word for for judgment, and, and so there's that paradox of what does God do with our enemies and why. Uh, and the mean in, in the meantime, Judah had staved off the Assyrians. They had kept them at bay because they had repented, and God had. Yeah, it's really wrong for me to say they had done it because they didn't do it. God did it because they repented and came back to Him. But then they immediately lost the plot of the story, and so now they're back to receiving. Warning, their northern brother, Assyria, it's now Assyria, their northern brother, Israel, had been conquered by Assyria, and and now they're, uh, they're in danger of the incoming uh, conquest of Babylon. They don't know it at that point, so God sends them a couple voices to warn them, voices like Zephaniah, whose theme was Shiva. Shiva, you got to come back, you got to repent. And then, uh, and then we had second Isaiah. Whoa. And after, you know, you get to a point where all the calls to repent and the warning, it's just too late. And that's what second Isaiah comes to pronounce was. Woe is upon the people of Judah. That is correct. And then, uh, lead us to the section of prophetic history that we call the Babylonian prophets. We got five of them this time. Jeremiah, we called him the weeping prophet. Weeping prophet. We had an alphabetic chiastic acrostic in the book of Lamentations. Lamentations. It was all about lament and hope. Um, and again, these prophets just take on a different tone. We went from mourning, and now we are kind of into woes as everything crumbles and is destroyed around them, which leads us, uh, I mean, it's really the last one of this, but. We can't talk about destruction without talking about Joel, because Joel was about what? Locusts. Locusts. And that same image of look around you, look at everything that's been destroyed. But in between Lamentations and Joel, we talked about Habakkuk, and we talked about Ovadjah. And Habakkuk was the image of a watchtower. Watchtower. Habakkuk sitting in his watchtower and demanding an explanation, demanding an answer from God for things he just... He didn't understand. He's like, how can you explain this? How can you be for this? How can you allow this? And then Obadiah, which was written to which audience? Uh, that was the one to Edom. Edom. Yeah. The Edomites, right? And and so the image that we had there was the... Petra. Yeah, the, that rock fortress city of Petra. And that brought us into the exile. At this point, Babylon has done their uh, their conquesting. Is that the right word? Is that what I'm looking for there? Yeah, sure. Okay. They've done all that. 
they have laid waste to their enemies, among them the people of God, and the people of God now sent in exile. Some of them are back home. We might say most of them, or at least a big chunk of them, are off in exile, misery, at least at different points of that exile. Some remained home the whole time? Yeah, some did. One of the things that Babylon would do, good question, one of the things that Babylon would do is they would take the the wealthy, they would take the educated, they would take anybody that had something to offer, and they would take them off into exile. They would use them as slaves or put them to work back home, uh, helping their own culture um, move forward and progress. And then the poor and uh, maybe the sick or the lame or or people that didn't have something to offer, they would leave back uh, because they needed a, a people to oppress and usually to farm the land, pillage it for resources, all those kinds of things. So some people got left behind. In fact, if you remember, we talked about Jeremiah. We said they came for the captives to take them off to exile, and they left Jeremiah behind. They're like, this guy is so pro-Babylon, we're not even going to take him with us back home. We're going to leave him here. It would be a great propaganda machine for us. Yeah, they thought they were they thought they were using him for yeah. their own purposes. Yeah. God had other plans, right? Usually does. And so now they sit in exile and we had four voices that we talked about to the people of God in exile. First one was Ezekiel, which we said was about strength. Strength, right? His name Hazak. Hazakiel. Hazakiel, Hazak Vachamats, be strong and courageous. God strengthens, and Ezekiel comes in to strengthen God's people because they're in misery now. They're in exile. Their world has fallen apart. And Ezekiel comes to say, God has not left you. Uh, God is still with you. And then we had the uh, prophecy of Daniel, which really isn't a prophecy at all because it was one of the writings. It was one of the Ketuvim. But uh, we looked at the double chiasm of Daniel, and we'll come back to that in session three. We're not done with Daniel yet. Daniel's going to make a comeback, but... Uh, <laughs> Come, the comeback kid. The comeback kid. Uh, speaking of the comeback kid, what did, what was the theme of Daniel? The center of the chiasm. I saw one like the son of like, man, like a son of man coming go. coming in the clouds. So, son of man is our word for Daniel. And then Job, uh, this drama. We said that Job was all about uh, suffering. Not mm-hmm. quite. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. Yes, but it was all about uh, starts with a P and ends with a perspective. <laughs> Oh, oh, perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so Job's about perspective. We we put it in the exilic period. And then uh, last time we talked about third Isaiah, which was all about what image? Uh, that was servant. Servant. We had this servant. Uh, you are my servant. You are my servant. And we're just going to move right from third Isaiah into fourth Isaiah today. And with that, we're moving into the remnant period of history. But before we get lost or before we leave the Isaiah voice... I kind of took them out of order, but I wanted to wrap up the Isaiah voice since we're already thinking third Isaiah from last podcast. Let's just keep moving into fourth Isaiah and just kind of wrap up that voice. Now, like I mentioned last podcast, I used to not even have a fourth voice of Isaiah, but I really think the more I look at it, uh, there's a really distinct voice here that changes. Yet again, as we come to Isaiah 55, so the first one was about vineyard and all the warning. The second voice of Isaiah was about all the woes. The third voice of Isaiah came in and started saying, comfort, comfort my people. You are my servant. You have to persevere. But now the tone shifts and changes yet again. So you have the beginning of Isaiah 55. Go ahead and read that for us. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. 
Come, buy uh, wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? So you can hear the tone changing completely. Like all of a sudden it's like, there's no more suffering. It's come, come get what you need. Come if you're thirsty. Come if you, there's no money needed. There's no God's providing. God's taking care of you. Go and keep going. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander to the, of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you, because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So there's a famous verse that we quote a lot. You know, God's ways aren't our ways. God's thoughts aren't our thoughts. Boy, do we quote that out of context. You notice that? Did you read that? We love to quote that verse when it's like, well... God works in mysterious ways. You know, his ways aren't your ways and his thoughts aren't your thoughts. But the context of this is come back home. This is the remnant portion of prophetic history. Have we talked about that word remnant yet? Uh, remnant. It's the, I think we did. Um, did we? I don't know. Did we? Isaiah or not Isaiah, but Elijah. Did we talk about a remnant with Elijah? There's always a remnant. Oh, yes. There's always that 7,000 people who haven't bowed their knee to Baal. It's always a remnant. It's going to be something we come back to. Or maybe as a refresher, because I feel like uh, yeah, remnant the general is the, connotation of remnant is not necessarily positive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, look up the definition of remnant. But remnant is that group of people that's left over, that little, when it seems like everybody has fallen away, everything is destroyed, there's always a remnant. There's always a group that's been saved, a portion that's been set aside, something to rebuild with. What do you got for a definition there? A small remaining quantity of something, a piece of cloth or carpeting, a surviving trace. Yeah. You're never utterly destroyed. You're never totally obliterated. There's always a remnant. There's always a remnant. Uh, and so this is the remnant. This is the people that are left. This, this is the people, to go back to third Isaiah and the suffering servant, these are the people that persevered. They're still there and they're still standing. And to this remnant group of people, God says, come back home. Come. If you're thirsty, come if you're hungry. Come, let me restore you. Come, seek me while I may be found, God says. Just just come back and I will forgive you, God says. Like we titled this one, Hope. Hope will be the image of 4th Isaiah. So servant of 3rd Isaiah, hope 4th Isaiah. This is where God says, I will forgive you. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you'll simply come back and come to me for your thirst, I will not only satisfy you, I will forgive you because my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are, I'm actually indebted to uh, Rachel Held Evans. Ooh, another book I could recommend. Uh, it used to be called Evolving in Monkey Town. That was the old title. It was redone and I believe the new title is Finding Faith or Faith Unraveled or Unraveling Faith, but you're going to find it for us and you'll throw that in the um, show notes, but uh, in that book, she pointed out how how badly we take Isaiah, that one verse out of Isaiah 55 out of context. It's not about, we usually use it when we're trying to make a point that doesn't make sense. Well, God's ways aren't your, 
But but the phrasing there, the context there is about God's scandalous grace, his scandalous forgiveness. And he's like, I know it doesn't make any sense, but my ways aren't your ways. And my thoughts aren't your thoughts. So all you got to do is come back home. Yeah, the verse immediately preceding, let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. Because my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. It's just such a, such a wonderful place to put that verse back in the context. This is the hope that the fourth voice of Isaiah opens with. Uh, and it keeps moving. But, but it also, the hope also comes with warning. Like there's hope. If you'll be the kinds of people that God invited you to be to begin with. So I also had you pull up Isaiah 58, I believe, almost the whole chapter here. Let's uh, I'll go ahead and start reading. I might interrupt you, but almost certainly. <laughs> There's just too much good stuff in the text. Too much good stuff. We've got to talk about this while we're here. Yeah. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. Now, does this begin to sound like First Isaiah? Like, there's even a, a theory that First Isaiah and Fourth Isaiah are actually one voice, and Second and Third Isaiah are dropped in the middle of what would have been a prophet kind of standing by itself. I can definitely see there's so much, like, we're going to see, we're not even done yet. We're going to see 4th Isaiah wrap around to 1st Isaiah very deliberately. So I could definitely see somebody making that case. And I, I could even have my mind changed. It just happened. I even added a whole voice of Isaiah to my material. So I can be, I can be swayed. But I think this is a later voice. And I think it's a, it's a voice that's calling back to that original condemnation, that original warning of Isaiah, 1st Isaiah, but one of the things that I, I think that I like about uh, having a fourth voice is this is going to sound a lot like Malachi, which is still a few podcasts away. So we can't make those parallels yet. But some have said, boy, fourth Isaiah just doesn't fit with the rest of the remnant voices. I think it fits really, really well with Malachi. And, and I think there's a theme there that ties together quite nicely. But I'll let you decide that as you look at it. But that's how the that's how the debate Rages, but we definitely see a tie back. It's not all light, fluffy, rainbow care bear hope. It's 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 maybe rainbow Noah hope, but it's not care bear hope. It's 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 this is a hope that's rooted in warning. Like you will be the people, you will experience the restoration. You will if you if you do the things that you forgot to do at the beginning. So go ahead and keep reading because we're going to see this keep coming around kind of like a Deuteronomy like yeah but but remember where you came from right right absolutely you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high is this the kind of fast i have chosen only a day for people to humble themselves is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes is that what you call a fast a day acceptable to the lord is not this the kind of fasting i have chosen 
to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. Okay, so now we have this. I mean, the kind of the background theme to this passage is, is fasting. Like, the... These people are coming and they're fasting before God and they want all of God's love and they want all of God's attention. They're trying to do the righteous, pious thing, but God says, it. do you think that's what I want? Like you said, remember where you came from. Go back to first Isaiah because what I wanted was when I came to my vineyard, I wanted to see you taking care of the oppressed. I wanted to find good fruit. I wanted to find generosity and righteousness, Zedekah, Zedekah. And, and instead what I found was Zedekah the cry of the oppressed. And, and, and so we're, we see this coming back full circle to this is what matters. Do not forget about what matters. Don't think this is about pseudo faux obedience. This is about true obedience that truly cares for people, especially those on the underbelly of the situation and of society. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You'll be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. And now we come back to that image that we saw in First Isaiah. The image of First Isaiah was what, Brent? Vineyard. Vineyard. And if you were to, if you were to pull up that presentation, which we actually linked it in the show notes, if, if you pull up that presentation of the vineyard, You'll see, remind yourself of the walls there. Remind yourself of how, what happens if you don't take care of the walls and the walls break down. And then, and God said in first Isaiah, I'm going to come take away their hedge. I'm going to break down their walls and briars and thorns and thistles will grow there. That's the image that we were left with in Isaiah 1. And now fourth Isaiah, not Isaiah 1, but first Isaiah, Isaiah 5. Uh, and, and now at the end of the book of Isaiah, that prophetic voice brings us all the way back full circle and says, if you will learn from your past and do these things, you will rebuild this mission that you lost the plot of. You will rebuild those walls that have been broken down. There is hope. It comes with a warning. It's going to come with a challenge and a charge. It's going to be hard work. It's not just going to be easy, but you can rebuild. You can restore repair of broken walls and restore of streets with dwellings. I tossed around the idea of making the word for fourth Isaiah re- restoration or something like that, but decided with hope. I like, I just liked hope, but there's hope for restoration. There's hope to put this all together. Um, but you're going to have to be the people that God called you to be. And that's really uh, the message of Fourth Isaiah. There, there's one piece that I love at the at the end uh, of that same chapter. I think it's so interesting. Um, I'm kind of taking a P.S. rabbit trail here, but maybe not. I find it interesting how how Isaiah 58 ends. Uh, I'll read it here. 
Um, it's interesting. If we go back to session one, we started this with, well, where'd we start the Bible, Brent? Seems like a no-brainer, but where'd we start? In Genesis. Genesis chapter? One. One. And we insisted that the story was good, and God was inviting his people to... To rest. To rest. To trust. And we said that Genesis 1 is really an obvious um, story about Sabbath. It's interesting, Isaiah 58. And somebody brought this up in our class, our discussion group, not too long ago uh, in Moscow. Somebody was saying, somebody pointed out the way that Second Chronicles ends. Second Chronicles ends with a discussion about Sabbath. Like, and remember that Second Chronicles landed where in their Tanakh, Brent? At the very end. At the very end. The, the writers of, the organizers of Tanakh have Tanakh closing in the same way that Tanakh ended uh, or began, excuse me. Uh, they have they have Tanakh closing the same way that it began, and that's with an exhortation to rest. And in Chronicles, the chronicler says, the reason that we ended up here is we forgot the initial invitation to rest in the goodness of God. I find it interesting that Isaiah does the exact same thing. Look at how 58 ends. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. There's this call back. It seems kind of odd. Like if you're reading the poetry of Isaiah 58, like the part that you read, it was like, oh yeah, 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 I'm totally tracking. It's this big conceptual, abstract, beautiful picture. But then it gets really specific about Sabbath and it kind of feels out of place. Like, like why that? Because that's really what this is all about. If you want to experience true fasting, if you want to break the cords of oppression, you're going to have to be connected to that. Maybe it really is as important as where we started in session one. Maybe it is about the goodness of creation, trusting the story, and finding a place of true Sabbath rest out of which we partner with God to bless the world. And I like how that little passage I just read there ended with the inheritance of your father, Jacob. Which is one thing to think out of the book of Genesis, but who was the servant and third Isaiah routinely called Brent? Israel, Jacob. And, and Jacob. Yeah. And so this the inheritance of your father Jacob in the context of Isaiah, I hear the author here saying, all that suffering you did led to this inheritance. This is the inheritance that you get for the suffering you endured prior. Uh, I just love that play. And I don't know if I'm making a stretch there or going too far with that. Um, But I love how this gets connected back to Sabbath. I love how Tanakh connects it back to Sabbath. I love how we began with Sabbath and we can't forget. I mean, we've been talking about Walter Brueggemann and we've watched some videos of his, one of his favorite points that he loves to make. In fact, he actually has a book, another book recommendation. Uh, I believe it's called Sabbath as Resistance by Walter Brueggemann. Um, Brueggemann thinks one of the biggest things that we could do today, today, not 2,000 years ago, not 3,000 years ago, not as ancient Hebrews, but today as 21st century Americans, one of the most countercultural, resistive things we could do is observe a Sabbath. Could it be as simple, not formulaically, but could it be truly as, is the Sabbath really that important? 
not just obedience to a concept, but the the heart behind Sabbath and what it releases in our in our spiritual walk. Anyway, I feel like I'm starting to ramble, so we better shut this thing down. Take a Sabbath from the podcast. Perhaps? Take a Sabbath from my ranting. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Marty alluded to it earlier, but we've got discussion groups and all sorts of fun topics come up. Sometimes it's just the podcast and there's plenty of stuff to dig into there. And sometimes you have other questions. So get with a group of people and and wrestle with this stuff. Uh, If you want to get a hold of Marty, you can find him at Marty Solomon on Twitter and I'm at EIBCB. And you can find more details about the show at BamaDiscipleship.com. Thanks for joining us on the Bama podcast and we'll talk to you again soon.